Um, so I'm going to start with the six minute version and then I'm going to go back and expand where I feel needed. So Rachel, go ahead and start the timer. All right. So the revelation, so the book of revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we're going into the book of revelation, solely focusing on the beasts and the dragons and so on, uh, we're going to get a marred picture of what the book of revelation is supposed to be about. Um, it's about Christ. So Revelation chapter one is uh, John gets what I'm going to call like the big picture of who Christ is. And then later on, Christ gives each of the seven churches a small piece of um, that big picture. Um, and then so after that, I went into the tribes of Israel. Um, I believe that Israel has a very um, important role to play in revealing who Christ is and um Genesis 49, where Jacob gives them the individual prophecies, um, it it's a picture of who Christ is. It's not a perfect picture because it's, um, well, it's, he's talking about humans, but still, it's a picture of who Christ is. Um, and then the living creatures, I know we studied it before, um, the four faces having different uh, ways of revealing who Christ is and what he did for us. Um, and the living creatures aren't necessarily angels. Like sometimes we think of, oh, they're before the throne of God. They must be angels, right? Um, not necessarily. They're more, uh, the, the word used there is more like animals or beasts. Um, but they have, basically what I'm saying is they have a different role from angels. They're not necessarily messengers, but they, in their being, they carry, they do carry a message. Um, and then, so I, in my paper, I went into the bride versus her um, evil opposite, the harlot. Um, basically, the bride is the bride of Christ is meant to reflect who Christ is, and uh, the harlot, the harlot that rides on the dragon, she is the one that um, she kind of tries to imitate. I feel like, um, like the colors that she wears and so on are kind of like tabernacle colors and so on, um, but she's, she's just like in a very evil. Uh, way and then um basically the whole book of revelation there is um like there's all the evil stuff that happens and so on um but i would argue that the battles and all of the bad things put there like the beast and the dragon and so on they're put there for the purpose that christ can have his victory so that christ can show his victory over them um so in all of the battles and things we know how it ends we know that christ has already declared the victory it is written christ wins and um so the whole book of revelation it just shows um it's it's about his victory it's about who christ is even throughout all of the messiness and the chaos how much how, how much time was that three minutes three minutes you guys <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, with the with the churches, I'm not going to go into all the seven churches because I realize that's a lot. Um, it's okay. Sit down. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go over my two favorites, or they were my two favorites to study. They were the biggest blessing to me. Um, the first one is Thyatira, and then the other one is Philadelphia. So to the Church of Thyatira. Um, Jesus introduces himself as the son of God, the one who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like burnished brass. Um, I specifically went and studied the burnished brass 
part and like why would Jesus specifically say that um, and I found two different explanations for it one of them is that the people of Thyatira actually worshipped Apollo who is the son of Zeus who is the sun god so basically Jesus could have been saying that he shines brighter than Apollo um, by saying that he has feet like burnished brass um, the other explanation is that the word Thyatira means altars or continuous sacrifices. So um, it was common for Christians to be burned in the furnace for their faith as martyrs. So Jesus, by saying uh, he has burnished brass feet, may have been showing his support for Christians who were burned in the furnace. Um, I have a bit of a problem with these two explanations. Uh, basically, the problem is that in Ezekiel 1 verse 7, the living creatures that are uh, shown in Ezekiel's vision are, um, they are described as having feet that sparkle like burnished brass. So um, basically, the living creatures, they wouldn't have had a reason to have to shine brighter. Oh, can you guys hear me? I think I'm Okay, good. So the living creatures, um, they wouldn't have necessarily had a reason to outshine other gods just because they didn't claim to be gods. Um, Jesus was claiming to be one with God and so would have had a reason to um, like outshine Apollo in a, in a sense. Um, but the, okay, so also about the uh, showing support for those who burn in the furnace. The, basically, the only um, people who were burned in the furnace in Ezekiel's time were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, like, possibly it was written just for them. Um, but I actually have I have a different uh, opinion a little bit. What that burnished? What? No, you can stop. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> um, sorry, Rachel was still timing me for six minutes. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so the, where was I? Yeah, the living creatures and brass feet. Okay, so what if the brass feet that Jesus wears is the gospel of peace? Um, Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, and who proclaims salvation. And then later on, when Jesus came to earth, he was in the synagogue and he read from a different portion of Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good, to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Um, so Jesus is wearing the gospel of peace. Um, so in Ephesians 6.15, when it says, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, it's not necessarily saying put on these little sandals. It, in the spirit, you may be putting on the white, hot, burnished brass feet of Jesus Christ. Um, so now imagine what that would look like where in Romans 16.26 or 16.20, I can't read my own writing. Okay, it says uh, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. So imagine what that would look like with your with the, the burnished brass, white hot feet, the God of peace crushing Satan. Um, it's just a very um, powerful picture. So uh, the other the other church I was gonna cover today is Philadelphia. So Jesus introduces himself as the one who holds the key of David. Um, 
so the key of David. So I think we've probably all heard preachings on, um, so like, okay, so it says the key of David, the one who opens and no one can shut and the one who shuts and no one can open. Um, I think we've all probably heard messages on this. At least I have lots of times talking about like uh, opening and shutting things in the spirit realm, binding and loosing and so on. And um, uh, some people even use it talking about like open doors of blessing and whatever. Um, so the key of David, it was actually a prophecy from Isaiah 22 about Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. So during Isaiah, um, the people of Israel were in sin. They were living in sin and God was proclaiming judgment on them. And so um, they were, so God was proclaiming judgment and then he makes this, so Isaiah makes this prophecy of a man named Eliakim who would take over the throne of Israel, um, the throne of Israel. So when it says he holds the key of David, uh, usually that means like reigning over Israel. It, it has to do with, with Israel and the reign over Israel. Um, so Eliakim would take over and he would be a righteous ruler. He would rule with honor and authority and his reign would be a time of rest and a time of cutting off burdens. So later on, Jesus comes into this world full of sin. It, judgment has been declared and he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened and I will give you rest. So that whole connection between the key of David and the reign of Eliakim. Um, that was something I hadn't studied before, and I thought it was very interesting. I actually never heard um, a preaching on that. So, so yeah, that was interesting to study. Um, I think my... I don't know. We can hear you. Keep going. Oh, okay. Sorry, the, it, the video froze for a second. All right. Um, Okay, so Israel and revealing Christ. Uh, do you mind if I share my screen real quick? I wanted to share that chart with them. Please do. Okay, um, so this chart is, it's so it's the, the Genesis 49 prophecies and then the other side here, let me yeah, share, there we go. All right, can you all see it? Okay. Good. So um, on the left side, you have the Genesis 49 prophecies and on the so left side, Genesis 49 prophecies, right side, um, how Jesus fulfilled those. So, um, OK, so you're going to notice a couple of the tribes are actually missing Dan and Ephraim. And there is another one. Was there another one? I think there's three that are missing. Anyways, uh, the ones that are missing are basically. They're missing because they intermarried with the other tribes and they were committing uh, idol worship and things like that. And God actually, even in the book of, I think it's second Chronicles, they don't even make it into some of the lists there because of all the intermarriage and all the, the, um, all the intermarriage, all the idol worship and so on. All right. So Judah um, is the lion um, and it talks about how there will always be a ruler on the throne of Judah. Um, if you want to all turn to Genesis 49 and follow along, I didn't perfectly word it according to the scripture. I worded it in a way that it would make sense for the other the other side. So if you want to um, if you want to open it to open to Genesis 49 and follow along, that it's up to you. Um, the wording is a little bit different. So okay, Judah, the lion. Um, eternal rule. And then it says of uh, Jesus is the lion of Judah. He's the king forever. Um, Reuben, firstborn, unstable like water. 
Obviously, this part is a bad thing, um, but later on, okay, so Jesus Christ, firstborn among many brethren, um, voice like the sound of water, life-giving water, um, and so on. So Gad is a triumphant victor, although trampled at first. Um, Jesus was bruised and crushed, but he became the triumphant victor. Um, bread from Asher is rich. Jesus is the bread of heaven or the bread of life. Um, so you can see all of those. And then I have the scriptures all down here. Um, a lot of these verses are from Psalms in different places too. So some of them are talking about God, not necessarily Jesus, but um, since Jesus and the Father are one, you know, um, we're going to, yeah, okay. What am I doing next? For the four living creatures. So I'm going to stop sharing. There we go. All right, so the four living creatures, um, like I said, they are not necessarily angels. They are, they, they're not messengers. Um, they, their place is more um, in front of the throne, in the throne room, throne room of God. Um, so they have, so the four faces are lion, ox, man, and eagle. Um, the lion representing power and authority. Um, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And kings always came out of, the tribe of Judah. Okay, the ox. The ox was used as a work animal. So um, like they would use oxen for plowing and things like that for carrying heavy loads. So oxes, the ox represents servanthood. The man rep represents humanity taking on human nature. And the eagle um, is a creature of the sky and uh, flying above the storm. So, okay, the lion, Jesus, lion of the tribe of Judah, ox, servanthood, Jesus, um, becoming Jesus came not to serve not to be served but to serve right um and then Jesus okay so the man taking on human nature Jesus was God but became flesh and then the eagle so each eagle is the creature of the sky flies above the storm Jesus is the ruler of the heavens and he is above all um, there's a parallel in the Old Testament of the tribes that were um, around the tabernacle. So you'd have the tabernacle in the middle, and then you'd have the Levites camped around it. And then on the one side, you'd have Judah. Their banner was a lion banner. On the other side, you'd have Ephraim. Their uh, banner was an ox. On the other side, you'd have Reuben. Their banner was a man. And on the other side, you would have Dan, and their banner was an eagle. So um, it was a, a prophecy, I think, or like, uh, a parallel on earth of things in the spirit. Some people compare these to the church ages. So the lion representing the power of the early church, the ox representing the dark ages when Catholicism was leading. Um, in Catholicism, you have to work for your salvation, hence why they're the ox. Um, so then after that, um, humanism, the age of reason and so on, glorifying oneself. So that would be the man and then eagle would be the prophetic age, I guess now uh, would be considered the prophetic. Um, so that is the four living creatures and how they um, how they reveal Christ. Do you want to see, maybe I should show you the, the bride and the harlot chart. Um, let me see, let me open it first and then I will share it with you. Um, so with this one, I didn't pre prepare much to talk about it, but 
Um, it is, okay, can you all see it? So you have the bride, the harlot, and then we have Old Testament. All right, good. Okay, so um, the bride, um, here are the foundations. So this is the, this is the um, description of the new Jerusalem. And so you have, let's see. Okay, so you have the foundations of these, um, like different types of jewels, the gates and the pearls and so on. Um, you can read that there are 12 gates, 12 pearls. Pearls are the only precious stone that are acquired by the death of the creature that makes them, thus making pearls a symbol of sacrifice. The city is entered by Christ's sacrifice. Um, the one thing I wanted to point out, like a big difference, is the bride or the new Jerusalem honors the martyrs and honors the blood of those that uh, those whose blood has been spilled for the sake of Christ. The harlot is drunk on the blood of the martyrs. It's it's a totally like evil opposite, like the evil twin kind of. Anyways, um, and then the different numbers. I did not go into a study of like what the different numbers mean, um, but I'm sure that would be an interesting study. <laughs> um, so I don't have much to share on that one. All right. Um, how much time do I have left? Five minutes. All right. So, um, okay. I should probably share. I had a dream a little while ago, and I think I mentioned it before in class. Um, I'll just, I'll, I'll go over it again and try it to not be too long. But uh, basically what happened in this dream was um, my, some of my family and I were at this like military camp thing. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to get from one side to the other, get to a certain place. So we went through and then um, all these people started coming out of the buildings and all they, the way they were moving, it was like they were being controlled or manipulated by something. Um, just the way they were moving, you could just tell. Um, so we went through and we got to the other side and where we ended up was in front of this big, uh, huge house, like a really big house. And um, inside the house lived a dragon. So all the people in the military camp and all the people inside the house uh, were owned or like ruled over by the dragon. And he would like control them and so on. Um, so we, um, so it was our job. We were supposed to kill this dragon or yeah, slay the dragon. And I said, well, an angel came, so I, I knew about something that had happened before in the dream. An angel came last time and defeated the dragon. Maybe we'll have another angel come. Um, but my mom said to me, no, God has reserved this battle for his people. Um, so we went and we were trying to like get the dragon to come out and so on. And um, so we would get the dragon out and and then it wouldn't. we wouldn't be able to do anything to it and then it would just go back inside it was like this big game run outside play around and go back inside um we the dragon was not phased by it at all um but so we were about to we were basically done we had no idea what to do next and then i thought i suddenly realized i knew what was going to happen next in the dream i knew that somebody in the house was going to change sides or give her life to the lord and she was going to come out and slay the dragon. And all I had to do was go in and get the dragon to come out. And there was going to be this big battle. And at the last minute, she was going to come out and kill the dragon for us. And like in the dream, I knew probably I'm going to get hurt or killed or something. I didn't care. The victory was going to happen. So I went, I started running back towards the house. 
And then um, my mom was yelling at me, where are you going? What are you doing? And I turned around and I said, don't worry, mom. I know how it ends. And then just uh, started running back. We're like running towards the, the house. So um, basically, I just this is just an encouragement to everyone that we know how it ends. We know who has the victory. It's written. It's already. It's already done. Really. <laughs> so all the all of the battles that we have right now, like we may lose battles sometimes, but Satan has lost the war. Um. <laughs> so it's yeah. Um, we Christ has the victory already, um, and so we can we can stand firm on that. Um, that we know how it ends. The victory is already written. And so that's what that's really what the book of Revelation is about. It's about Christ and what he has done and how he's revealing himself through his people and how he is um, how he has victory over evil. And that is my paper. I think I'm going to end there. That's